plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. No, I'm not for sale. are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Colts, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley, and today we are going to get right back into the draft stuff. We're on the line here with Shane Alexander. He is a draft analyst from Inside the Pylon. Uh, Shane, how you doing, my man? Man, it's good to be on. I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm glad we finally got together. We're going to talk a little draft shop. Absolutely, I'm excited to see uh, what you've got for us. And I definitely, uh, as just a, a, a front note here, I definitely enjoyed your most recent mock. It was your first mock, actually, uh, on the season so far. But I really enjoyed it. A lot of the picks I went through, and from what everything that I've seen, and just kind of what I read of uh, on on your article there. It seemed like a very realistic mock, whereas a lot of them are kind of shock mocks, you know, to get people interested to come back for the second one and so on. I, on the other hand, really enjoy uh, reading one and and seeing picks that that I feel would be realistic for those teams. Also, not just to to drive uh, the conversation necessarily, but the top of this draft yep. is top heavy. Yep. We've talked about that. What are your what are some of the biggest names in your elite group that you've got maybe there for that top half of the draft? Sure. Yeah. So based on everything I've got so far, I've, I've highlighted 11 names for you. I was telling you off air, I've got my, my, um, my draft chart broken down positionally, but I don't have it structured in a big board format yet. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've got 11 names that I think are the upper tier of this draft. It starts with Miles Garrett from Texas A&M. Um, in Mobile for the Senior Bowl a couple weeks ago, you know anybody I could talk to about the Browns, they all said they thought Miles was going number one. Uh, I think most people agree if he's not the, the best, he's in the top two. Um, mm-hmm. John Allen from Alabama, the strides that he made from his junior to senior year, becoming maybe the most complete defensive player in college football. I think he's scheme versatile. You could play him at three five or even like a six tech. Um, you know, I think his best fit is probably three tech in the NFL, but I think he's an elite player. The two safeties everybody likes, Jamal Adams, Malik Hooker, um, one strong, one free. And then there's a lot of edge players. Solomon Thomas from Michigan State, Malik McDowell from uh, Michigan State, although he may have some red flags off the field. Tim Williams from Alabama, very high-end player. He may have some red flags off the field. Um, and then you've got Reuben Foster from Bama, O.J. Howard from Bama, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, the cornerback from Ohio State, and then Corey Davis is my top wide receiver from from Western Michigan. So those are the eleven players that I think if you had to go in and say we want to, you know, we're picking the top ten, we got to get an elite guy. Any of those guys, you're going to feel good about, you know, getting that that top half of the first round. One of those guys that you brought up, Malik McDowell, has been a guy that I've heard a lot about a lot lately. Yeah. Um, it, when you went through your mock yep. and you got to the Colts there at 15, yep. 
you you got Tim Williams out of Alabama going there. What kept you from sending Malik McDowell to the Colts? I just thought Williams was, A, a little bit more of an explosive type edge rusher that the Colts have traditionally drafted, and I realize the regime now is different than when the Freenies and the Mathises played there. Uh, but I still think what they're trying to do schematically, Williams fits better. I think he's more of a, I think he's a little bit better overall player. But really, it comes down to scheme fit. I just think Tim Williams fits what the Colts are, what I think the Colts are going to be looking to do going forward. You know, Chris Ballard coming over, he knows how to assemble edge edge players. He's he's been around some good teams. Um, I think Williams is the type of guy that can be a 34 outside linebacker, and then sub packages can be that that edge rusher off the, um, you know, off the corner. So. Malik is a heck of a player. Um, I, like I said, my mock was trying to be predictive, and from everything I'm hearing, there's some flags coming up heavy about Malik, so I had him sliding a little bit. Um, and Tony Poling, who's a guy that I trust a lot, he's a he's a you know, sort of an insider. He thinks Williams' red flags are going to be alleviated by draft time, and I think in the the 10 to 15 range is where he'll fall. So that's where I that's where I went. Now there's a, a ton of options here for the Colts early in the first couple rounds. Yep. I mean, they've really got a lot of uh, glaring holes. And when you look at uh, kind of what we were talking about off air briefly, when you look at even a guy like Arthur Jones, who now that the Colts have released Dequel Jackson, freed up five and a half million yep. in, in cap space, Arthur Jones is a guy that you can see he's going to free up another 5.2 or so um, if they were to let him go. And by all accounts, I just don't see – a reason why they would keep him. Okay. So they're really not only on their edges and in the line. And I mean, basically their entire front seven sure. needs a complete facelift after this point, a lot of additions are going to have to be made, whether it be free agency and, uh, and, and, and through the draft. So it's hard for me to kind of see them going offensive line or running back yep. early in the first round there. But what are a couple guys in that front seven that you think outside of Williams and maybe even McDowell, like you said, yeah. uh, who would be that kind of a game changer? What kind of a, uh, another player in that front seven as a whole yep. might be somebody that they would get in the first round yep. or even uh, possibly uh, would be able to be on the board still in round two? Yeah, I'll start with the, the round two question. I think Chris Warmly from Michigan is the type of player that would replace Arthur Jones really nicely if they're looking for that guy that can be – uh, you know, a five tech three type type of hybrid that plays on the inside of their edge. Um, he had a really nice senior bowl. I was extremely impressed with him uh, down here in Mobile. So he's a kid that I think is going to be a day two pick. And this defensive tackle class is not as deep as years past. I think it's kind of high end. Um, if you pass on him early day two, I think early day three, Isaac Rochelle from Notre Dame is another kid who earned himself money in Mobile, five tech uh, type of three tech hybrid that would fit that Arthur Jones role if they, you know, if they get rid of him. So there's a couple of kids that, that would be cheaper and allow you to go to the more premier position like edge rusher. Let's just say that Tim Williams doesn't check out the red flags. Let's, I mean, we, we never know exactly how a kid is. We're not privy to that information to the full extent. Let's say they pass on a, a Tim Williams and they want a more traditional 34 outside linebacker. Tack McKinley from UCLA, I think is going to be there as well. And the more I watch him, the more I'm a big fan. I've currently got him as my sixth-rated edge player right now, which is still like a mid-first-round grade. This class is so top-heavy. Um, tack would be a good option as well. And let's say that they let's say they go cornerback or they go defensive tackle or something like that in round one, and they get to round two and want to address an edge rusher. Derek Rivers from Youngstown State Love him. Made, him, made himself a ton of money in Mobile. And if he's there in round two, 
he is he's not a bargain like he's not a knockoff an off brand he's he's not something to be disappointed about he is a potential stud player that could fall to the second round and that'd be a heck of a pick for the colts i love him actually i just put up uh an article the other uh in fact today it just went up uh and i added Derek rivers in there to some of the guys they could get uh past the first round depending on what they did or even you know regardless of what they did really whether it was the opportunity for them to double dip at this point on edge guys or whatever but Rivers was a guy that I really liked and uh, just, you know, I, I, I'm not you. I'm not a scout. I'm not, I don't uh, see the finer points a lot of times in a lot of these guys during draft season. But I'll read you real quick a, a, a paragraph of what I wrote about him, that he's another exceptional guy with exceptional length who possesses enough power to barrel through his first assignment at times, but also has really good explosion. Rivers does well with waiting for the last moment to show his hands, gives his initial move quality potential to succeed. Similar to Willis, uh, which was another guy that I had put on this list uh, out of Kansas State that I liked yep. uh, his power and stuff. Uh, Rivers is a well-versed keeping his eyes on the ball while attacking the passer initially and does well when disengaging to pursue the ball carrier. Overall, I felt like he was just um, a really – interesting guy and it's you know when you watch these pass rushers a lot of times you're seeing their run snaps as well and it can you know at times it can be uh less than impressive because you're seeing them eyeball the ball carrier a lot of times but when you see these guys explode off the line when they're in a a pure pass rush opportunity man rivers jumps off the screen yep i think yeah no that's a good point i think you made about uh waiting to the last minute to get get his hands up that was a trait he showed in mobile and the tackles that were there were, they were average. I'll, I'll say that, but th- they were <laughs> overwhelmed by that aspect of his game. I, I know that there's a couple of guys I was watching practices with in the All 22 um, perspective, and we noticed that. So that's a good point by you. And, and Jordan Willis is another guy that I think is a, a more of a third round guy. I think probably for me, uh, but in that mm-hmm. second round range, if you have a guy, you go pick a guy. Um, you know that that would be a nice pick as well. And then. The Eric Walden role, you know, we were talking off air. You said they may bring him back. Even if they did bring him back or maybe they decided didn't. T.J. Watt from Wisconsin, he's not a true edge, I don't think. I think he's more of a Sam player. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if they want a 34 outside linebacker that plays smart, plays hard, aggressive in their run game, T.J. Watt would be another guy that I think in that round two range, round two or three range that would, that would be good. So they're going to have options. Like if they – I hope they go edge in the first round prior to free agency, not knowing what we don't know. But uh, if they decide to go elsewhere, they're going to get a. There's guys available in round two and three, uh, worth their while. Now, T.J. Watt was a guy that, uh, for all intents and purposes, maybe it was because of limited film, and I, I he was just a slim guy. That I, I saw a slim guy playing edge that I didn't think would be able to attack uh, attack the middle um, when asked to do so. Uh, he does have a lot of length, yep. and I think he's a good player, but. I guess just from some of the other guys that I saw that had so much power and uh, had similar speed, I guess, with bigger body types, I felt like that uh, he was maybe down a notch or so for me. Yep. Uh, just just instant, you know, instant analysis, I guess, is is what I'm getting sure, at here. Sure, sure. Uh, from where where, like you said, Jordan Willis was a guy that I felt was just man. I don't know. I really liked him. I liked him a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and another guy was Terrell Basham maybe later on in the draft and even Keontae Davis out of Chattanooga uh, a little bit later in the draft. But those guys I thought could, you know, I thought they had a good 
combination of speed and power and size. Whereas Watt, like I said, it was more than likely with limited film that I was able to get a hold of. But he just seemed a little slight to me, although very good attacking skills. You know, I mean, it's in his blood for sure. sure. So um, no, that's a good point. He's not the Williams or the or the McKinley um, or even the Rivers. You know, he's more he's a different style of linebacker. Um, and I would definitely look at the other names we talked about first um, in rounds one or two over him. I view him more as a mid round guy. I know some people in the community like him early, but but Watts more of a mid round. Uh, he's a he's a team building type of player. He's not going to be a cornerstone player under defense. Right. Now, uh, if you could jump out a couple, throw out a couple names there that you think might even be first round opportunities. Let's say at cornerback for the Colts yeah. there in the middle of the, of the first. I really like Marshawn Lattimore. I don't think he's going to be available by the time the Colts pick, so I don't even want to start a pipe dream. There's the, the <laughs> one guy that I think would would fit right where they pick is Sidney Jones from Washington. I'm a huge fan of him. He's probably my number two cornerback. Um, you could do a lot worse than Sidney in a really deep cornerback class. Um, I I just think he's I just think he's a future Pro Bowl type talent, um, hmm. and the Colts we talked about it off air. God knows they need a guy that's young, that's got a high ceiling, and that can stay healthy. And for all for all we know, Sidney Jones has been that guy at Washington, and I don't see a reason to think he won't continue to develop that. So if he's not there, um, Quincy Wilson or Tease Tabor, the two Florida guys, and then let's just say they don't go cornerback in round one, Gary and Conley. It's probably my favorite round two corner from Ohio State, and he's no slouch at all. Um, he's probably he's not getting talked about in that mid first range, but where the Colts are picking in round two, him or Tre'Davious White are the two cornerbacks that I think are going to make uh, some team very happy by waiting because of the depth of this cornerback class and picking them up in round two. Yeah, uh, just to backtrack, just a touch on that, or not on that, but on the other one, I, and I forgot to ask this. That's the only reason I'm cutting through, but with the possibility of Arthur Jones being gone. And I've heard people, I, in my opinion, uh, project Solomon Thomas in uh, a role that he's really not uh, uh, that guy. Would he be a, a good opportunity there at defensive end with, uh, I mean, almost an Arthur Jones type or to at least take over that role, you think, if the Colts were to go that route? I, I think you could play him there, but I, I really think – I really think he's a, he's a an undersized as far as height goes edge player, but uh, with so much of of uh, sub package being played in the NFL today, you could do a mm-hmm. lot worse than Solomon Thomas. I talked with Mike K. He's the Jacksonville Jaguars beat writer. He was on our podcast this past week. He mocked Solomon Thomas to the Jaguars at four. Um, I mocked him at seventeen. If if Thomas may not make it to the Colts pick, he's one of the risers of this class, but. I think if you're wanting to look at it in base, and, and if you played base 80% of the time, which you don't, I don't know if, if Thomas would be – he'd be more of a square and a round hole in my opinion. But sub-package-wise, yeah, I think he'd make a lot of teams a lot better. Um, I don't know if he's really going to be the, the more Arthur Jones style. Um, I think Chris Warmly, the guy that I, I mentioned originally, I think he fits that more traditional role. Um, but again, with sub-package play, positions are sort of a construct. They're very fluid. Um but yeah, Solomon Thomas, high in talent. Him and Malik McDowell are both very similar to me. McDowell's a bigger player, but uh, but Thomas doesn't have any red flags. He's the young, second youngest player in the draft, I believe. And so there's a lot to be mm-hmm. you know appealing. There's a lot appealing about him. Now, kind of, we talked a little bit off the air, and we did uh, compare. You know, the, the first year 
uh, of TJ Green to that of a you know a certain defensive player of the year candidate in New York at safety. Yeah. Uh, there you know there was I I think that like you mentioned I think the casual Colts fan just thinks he's garbage. Yep. And I'm not a fan of TJ Green, and I'll, I'll even preface it by saying, yeah. yeah. My problem with him was not so much where he was when he was on a too high uh, situation. My problem with him was when he was coming down playing a, a, a nickel uh, coverage role yeah. uh, on a tight end or just whoever, and he couldn't stay in coverage while shadowing uh, even a tight end and stuff like yeah. that. That, to me, is the bigger issue as opposed to how he rolls in coverage to help out one of the corners or something of that yeah. sort. Is there is maybe a, a lot of people may not want to give up on him yet, and I understand that as well, too, because he does a, a fine job coming up and run support. Sure. But the Colts definitely, depending on what they do with Darius Butler, if they bring him back in this year as a safety yeah. And then they still have possibly Pop Adams back there, the the un the the guy who never ages. Yep. You know, uh, they they still need a safety, I think, no matter what in this draft. Yep. Who, where do you find value versus the pick uh, in this draft with the safeties? Uh, Lorenzo Jerome from St. Francis would be a guy that I would, I would love the Colts to draft um, if if they want to add a safety to either pair with T.J. Green or to be insurance policy in case it doesn't work out. I thought Jerome was one of the more under-the-radar players at the Senior Bowl. He had a spectacular game with two picks, but he's a ball hawk. Um, he plays center field well, and, I th- and he did well in coverage, uh, in, in man drills, uh, seven-on-seven and such, during the practice. And I think he is going to be the steal of the mid-rounds at safety. Everybody knows about the top-heavy guys, after that, mm-hmm. it kind of falls off, and if you're fi- if you're trying to find value, he would be the guy. So if you're a Colts fan wanting safety in the mid rounds, Lorenzo Jerome from St. Francis would be where I'd go. Interesting, because they're going to still have Clayton Gathers, but I think they're you know similar to how they're talking about moving Butler to safety from corner. Uh, that there's been some you know uh, whispers about Clayton Gathers possibly moving up into a more traditional linebacker role. <laughs> Uh, for the Colts there. So it's kind of seemed like they're playing a little bit of musical chairs with their positions yep. and their guys that they feel that are a little uh, more able to branch out into another position. But, you know, if they do keep gathers in their safety, then they really have to stack up on linebackers and vice versa. If they bring him up into linebackers, that eliminates a need there, but they're going to have to go uh, to the top of the defense there in the secondary and try to figure out somebody in the middle of the field that can really make a difference as well. Um these guys have so many holes, uh, but we haven't even talked about the running back position. Sure. Dalvin Cook has been mocked to the Colts multiple times in the past couple of yep. weeks. Um, I try to reserve, kind of like what we talked about earlier, I try to reserve uh, my anger if they were to do something that I felt wasn't defensive related, yep. you know, uh, that early in the draft. But Cook has some special features and it would be hard to get upset about that. And it's not a Philip Dorsett first round pick yeah. where it's like, Whoa, that guy's like, you know, maybe sixth in his class. Yeah. Uh, even though he was actually drafted sixth amongst the wide receivers, you know, he was drafted exactly where he was expected to be in relation to other wide receivers in that class. Sure. But this isn't that kind of a pick cook is a phenomenal running back in this position, but you don't have him in your top, uh, that top little 11 elite group yet. Where do you have him? Well, he's right there below it. I mean, he's absolutely going to have a first-round grade from me. I think he's a spectacular talent. Uh, he's probably going to finish as my top-graded running back. 
um, Joe Mixon's off field is is so toxic that it's it you feel uncomfortable putting him as the top running back. And of course, I've I have some questions about Fournette's lateral ability, and I think he's a, maybe a little bit more lumbering Adrian Peterson. I don't mean that as a negative. I just mean you kind of try to check marks and make a hierarchy, and you got to ding players for stuff. And Cook has the least amount of dings. Um, he's a special talent. I think he catches out of the backfield. I think he can pass block. He's shifty. Um, he's got incredible patience. He's got bursts. Like I just, it's everything, right? And so if the Colts were going to take a running back in the first round, and I hope they don't, and maybe you hope they don't, but let's just say they do, take the right one. And the right one, I think, would be Dalvin Cook uh, for what that offense wants to do. Um, he's, he's a special guy. He's a special player. The only thing that I've heard on him outside of the off-field stuff, which is, seems to be cleared up, is he does have some concern about his shoulder. I think that a lot of high-end scouts that, you know, and teams that are going to look forward to, to the combine to see how healthy that shoulder is um, because you want your running back to be probably the healthiest player on the team considering the wear and tear on their body. So that would be the only thing I think that would bring him down quickly, and you maybe are going to go to this, but let's say they don't draft running back in the first round. I've highlighted two running backs for you that I think in the mid-rounds would be there and, and be a great uh, running back, too, for Gore, maybe even overtake him at the end of the year. Jamal Williams from BYU and Marlon Mack from South Florida. I think both of those guys are aggressive runners. I think they have exceptional vision. They're both going to be um, in my top seven unless the combine changes things. So I should say heading into the combine, they're both in my top seven running backs. Um, and this class is deep, and there's incredible value to be mined. And some guys are going to fall because of how deep this class is. Those two could be among the several that do. And so, if the Colts are trying to find value at the position, Jamal Williams and Marlon Mack would be uh, would be incredible values. That's kind of it's so interesting with this uh, class, like you say, you know, uh, deep running back, deep edge rush, uh, deep defensive line, and deep uh, at the corner yeah. position. And the, those are all needs for the Colts, so they're really going to have to figure out what they uh, consider to be good value for not an early round pick for several positions. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be real interesting to see uh, where they decide to go. But one of the things you were talking about there with uh, Cook's shoulder, once he does get to the combine, if any red flags go up over that, that's going to drop him almost immediately. At least on yeah, you know, it, well, and then let me put it this way: at least the way that teams talk about him. Uh, in the public, sure. you know, they're going to want to point those out because if they're going to take a risk on him, they want to be the one to take a risk sure. on him. Sure. Um, and so. that could, you know, that could, that could have him fall to maybe the second round early day two. Um, I know it seems like the NFL really likes Christian McCaffrey, which I'm a huge fan of. And it seems like they, they are very high on Fournette. So any red flag could, could drop cook down. Um, and, and maybe that he's, maybe he's there um, in the second round, if something were to happen. But as far as I know, just based on what we know today, you know, I think he's going to go somewhere between uh, Carolina at eight and I would say the Giants at twenty-three. I know that's a big gap, but I think he fits into the middle of the first round somewhere. Yeah, I like I said, I, I think that I'd have to reserve uh, being too upset about them bringing Cook in. And you know what? One of the things that they did for Peyton Manning early in his career was bring in Edron James, Correct. and yep. that worked out pretty well for them. So. Um, it's hard to really tell because you never really know who's going to stay healthy, who's going to actually turn into that kind of a player once they get into the league. And if they find that they feel Dalvin Cook is that much of a home run, then, you know, 
uh, I'm just going to have to roll with it at the beginning of Chris Ballard's tenure here in Indianapolis because instantly, without even doing anything uh, other than cutting Dequell Jackson, he has uh, basically all the trust from Colts fans yep. in the world. And I guess that's kind of the natural progression when you go from Ryan Grigson to a guy who's talked about so highly in league circles in Chris Ballard. So, uh, Shane, thank you so much for joining me, man. This was fantastic stuff. Really, really enjoyed your first mock. Can't wait to see the second one. Can you tell everybody where they can catch you on face or I'm sorry, on <laughs> Facebook? I mean, if you, if you got a sure, page on Facebook, Facebook, you can tell them that too. Or uh, uh, Twitter and tell them about your podcast over there at Inside the Pylon. Yeah, well. so you find the work at InsideThePylon.com. You can follow me on Twitter at AlexanderOneGreat. Um, and you can f- listen to our podcast, Pylon U, uh, the letter U, um, on iTunes and SoundCloud. We do one or two a week. Uh, my co-host, Chef Fair, is a uh, is heck of a guy. So we, we do college football in season. We, we transition to entire draft now. And so uh, it was fun, man. I appreciate you having me on. And, and closer to the draft or after the draft, I'll be happy to come back. Absolutely. would love to have you. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. I appreciate your uh, kind words, your comments, and all of your uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes. They're just filling up, and, and I couldn't be uh, more excited to see them. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll check you guys all out tomorrow right here on Locked on Colts. You are Locked on Colts, your daily podcast on the Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17